You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin, and my name is J.J. Leahy. Gil's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and in addition to this podcast, I host the Daily Cheese Green Bay Packers News Update. We're here to talk Packers because we're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the offseason from free agency to the draft and all the way to OTAs, we've got you covered. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, hit us up on Twitter at JJ Leahy or at Gil Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Gil, we got a nice letter this week uh, to our email address um, with some nice compliments about the show. Made us both feel really good. Uh, just really want to emphasize encouraging listeners. Please don't hesitate to send us uh, some notes. And also, if if your question that you have is something that you specifically want answered on the show as opposed to, you know, sometimes we'll get little messages like, hey, uh, you know, what do you think about this prospect? And, you know, we'll just answer it right there in your, you know, in the in the DM to us. But uh, if you want to just mention, hey, you know, question for the podcast, that'll help us remember <laughs> to save it for the podcast and answer <laughs> it on here for you. Gil, working through this off-season program for a little bit here. You know, it's been a little while since we've seen the Packers play. It can be easy to forget some of the things that you really appreciate about the Packers. So I want to ask you, Gil, tell me, how did you come to fall in love with the Packers in the first place? How did you become a fan? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting question. And I have an interesting answer. Uh, When I was a little kid, uh, going back to like the age of four or five, green was my favorite color. And there was a team called Green Bay that had green uniforms. And even though I was from New York, that was going to be my team. And I am, if nothing else, very loyal. And they are still my team all these years later, even though I suffered through the 70s and the 80s and uh, all those difficult times to be a Packer fan. Uh, I stuck with it and it's been great. It was St. Patty's Day and my family is pretty Irish. Similarly, green was the introduction here. I needed a green shirt. I was probably about seven or eight years old. I didn't have a green shirt. and I was at my grandpa's house and he pulled out a Brett Favre jersey and I put it on. He said, you know, it looks good on you. Why don't you keep it? And he started talking to me about Favre and I didn't know who the heck Favre was. <laughs> I had no <laughs> idea, but I kept it and I just thought the jersey was cool. So I just wore it around everywhere and... My great-grandma, so this is on the other side of the family, my great-grandma grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. She actually babysat for players during games. Uh, wow. They lived, they lived on the same street as um, Tony Canadeo and Tiny Croft. She said that uh, they had Vince Lombardi over for dinner multiple times. She has a bunch of crazy, awesome stories to tell. Her, her dad actually was a steel foreman who oversaw construction of Lambeau Field and the original Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame. Wow. So it's my great-grandma. She sees me walking around in a Favre jersey <laughs> and assumes that I'm a Packer fan, and she just is delighted. 
So she starts every birthday and Christmas. She's sending me all this Packers gear. I get hoodies and shirts and socks and blankets with the Packers on them. And I, you know, I just never spoke up and said like, oh, I, I don't even know who this team is. I don't really care. I, I never said that. I just said thank you for the stuff. And I, and I kept wearing it and using it. And so everybody just knows me as that kid who wears the Packers stuff everywhere he goes. You know, the Packers are, are in the Super Bowl playing the Steelers, and, and I know I kind of know who they are, but I, I didn't super care about football at that point. I was familiar with the with the Packers. I kind of knew the players, and I'm watching them, and I'm thinking, you know, it's, it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, my team is in the Super Bowl. I should just start following them all, all the time, especially because, obviously, with this, you know, new quarterback here who's so good, they're going to be in the Super Bowl like every year now. <laughs> that was a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that's my introduction. And um, the off season and draft season are particularly interesting to me. And we're going to be talking about the draft today. I got to be honest with you, Gil. I'm not in love with this draft class. The last couple draft class I've been, you know, had just a ton of guys in each draft that I really love. This year, I'm kind of just like, eh, like about all the players like, OK, some of the quarterbacks real early on in the draft are really exciting to me. But, you know, we're, we're not anticipating that they'll fall to the Packers. We took Jordan Love last year. So one would hope that we won't be taking a quarterback this year unless something crazy happens like uh, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields falling all the way like Aaron Rodgers did. I, I don't know. What do you think about this draft class? Am I, am I just am I just, uh, you know, getting turning into an old fogey here? No, not yet. Uh, But here's the thing. I think part of it for this year is that the Packers do not have an immediate glaring need. They have needs. Lots of areas that they could use depth, that they need to reinforce, that they need to uh, get players who can uh, contribute. But there is no position right now after they've re-signed so many of their own players from last year where you say, if they don't get a guy in the first round at this position, they're in big trouble there. So, at least in the short term. So, I I think that sort of spreads your attention out a little bit more. It's not like you could, like last year, so many Packer fans were focusing on wide receiver. And that was assumed by a lot of people that uh, that would be, in the first, maybe the second round at the latest, the Packers would be drafting a wide receiver. Um, there isn't that one position to focus on right now. There isn't that urgent spot that needs immediate help. And I think that that sort of takes away from the focus of a lot of Packer fans on you know a particular area and maybe dampens the enthusiasm a little bit. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head right there. So there's obviously a few positions that we think the Packers would like to add a quality starter in the draft. For example, if the right, or I should say the 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 correct, <laughs> since I'm about to say right tackle, if, if the correct guy, the right guy at right tackle falls to them and they think that they can get a guy who, like Elton Jenkins, will come in and pretty much start near the beginning of the season and, and you know, be a really good um, offensive tackle for them or a defensive tackle or a corner. There are positions that we think they would like to add starters, but look, the roster that they have 
comprised of just the veterans is certainly enough to win a Super Bowl. There's no question about that. We're going to be looking later today, uh, assuming we have time for it, at the Packers' two playoff games this year and the NFC Championship game in particular. Talent was never the issue. No. Who's the more talented team, the Buccaneers or the Packers? It's it's not even close. It's the Packers. The, the Packers just played like garbage that day. Why? I don't know. That's a question for Matt LaFleur. It's not a question for Brian Gutekunst. It was not a question of, oh, they don't have enough talent on the roster to win the NFC Championship game and go on to win the Super Bowl. So you're exactly right. The Packers don't need to add anyone as a rookie who can contribute right away. They may be content with looking ahead and saying, you know, uh, there's guys, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, Devontae Adams, uh, uh, Robert Tunyon, guys who we anticipate we may lose in the next few years. It's possible. We're not projecting that we'll lose those guys. But the Packers are saying, why don't we look ahead to the future and give us give ourselves some flexibility to where we can do something like, you know, moving on from Corey Lindsley this year. Uh, I, I think that was a big part of them wanting to take all those interior offensive linemen in the sixth round last year. Mm-hmm. Brian Gutekunst really likes going into the draft armed to the teeth with his favorite currency, flexibility. And lots of picks. Yeah, and they do have a lot of lot of picks this year. Um, so probably inside linebacker, corner, wide receiver, defensive line. I think we're in agreement. These are the positions that they really would like to add some talent at. And but I don't think, for, and I think offensive ahead. tackle. Oh, I, I, I completely forgot to say those. <laughs> <laughs> um, but don't forget. Okay, Preston Smith is back this year. I, I, it's a stretch to say he'll be back the year after. Zadarius, mm, he hasn't gotten a, an extension yet. He had a little bit of a restructure. I don't think it's a stretch to say in the next one to two years he could be gone. If an edge rusher drops into position, I think the Packers would be happy to take that guy, let him develop a little bit, and have a nice young elite talent to pair with Rashawn Gary uh, if that opportunity presents itself. Well, you can never have too many edge rushers. And I think if if the right one falls, you can almost always justify jumping on that position and, and adding another pass rusher. We added a new defensive coordinator this offseason, Joe Barry. With the new coordinator comes a new defense. It's probably not going to be a really drastic overhaul of Mike Pettin's system. But we're we're expecting a, a little bit of a change, especially in the balance between run defense and, and passing defense. We also probably would like to be able to move on from Kevin King. I think it's, I mean, the way his contract is structured, he's gone next year. Unless, unless he has a really, really good season in this new scheme and just wows the Packers and they do go on and say, look, we're going to keep him long-term. Right. Kevin King's gone. We also lost Raven Green this offseason. These are some things we're going to be looking at here because the uh, Joe Barry was asked in his introductory press conference about the 
quote unquote star defensive back mm-hmm. position, which is a kind of a, a new sort of tweener position that is kind of being tossed around, uh, you know, with, with some of these defenses like the LA Rams and what it kind of means is a defensive back who is big, uh, probably bigger than Jair, an excellent tackler. Their, their primary use here is in the run fit to seal off the edge. And I don't know that outside of, you know, Jair, you have a guy on the roster who can do it. You got a guy with the right attitude. That's Shannon Sullivan. Right. I don't think physically Shannon's little frame is up to the task. And Raven Green, I think, was the ideal guy, you know, as that uh, nickel linebacker. I think he's the ideal guy to, to, to put in that spot. And Mike Pettin really wanted Raven Green on, on the defense. Pettin's defense was drastically different when Green was out on injury and Green was always out on injury. So <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, which is almost certainly the reason he's no longer on the team that he just couldn't stay healthy. Yep. And I don't, I don't think, think he has the frame that you're describing. I mean, Green was a, a, a tenacious player, but he wasn't six foot tall or, uh, you know, very big for even a hybrid linebacker safety. And I think essentially the reason or one of the reasons he was hurt so often is because his body couldn't take the pounding. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought about that. Well, we're going to want to keep that in mind as we're looking at some of these defensive back and and and, and kind of hybrid linebacker um, options in the draft. Uh, a guy, you know, that uh, a, a lot of people have ranked really highly, especially for the, the kind of role that he plays, would be um, Elijah, uh, what's his last name? Molden? Elijah yeah. Molden? Yeah. This is a guy, okay, Sean Wade was the highest ranked corner in the draft like a year ago from Ohio State, and he was, you know, very dominant on the interior, and the big question was, well, you know, how is he going to do on the outside? This is very similar to like Josh Jackson, who is on our roster right now, Um, and then in, in 2020, he did move outside, and we got the answer, no, he can't perform on the outside he's he doesn't have does not have that skill set he still plays at an elite level on the interior um but look that's not a premium position so it's it's not that sean wade sucks it's that there's just other positions that are more valuable than just uh you know a, a slot corner and so Sean Wade fought, fell from like a, a basically a surefire first round pick down to, you know, late third round pick right now. Uh, and, and he's continuing to fall. Elijah Molden has that same kind of skill set and some of those same limitations, but he is ranked at least a full round earlier in the draft than Sean Wade, which kind of just speaks to how highly he is thought of by scouts in the draft that look like look the the guy who has the same limitations skill you know in terms of um uh versatility as sean wade we're ranking him toward the end of the second round because he is just that dominant uh in on the inside yeah i mean it 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 seems like there is a transition around the league 
of looking for certain skill sets and how you value someone who covers on the inside versus on the outside, a slot corner versus an uh, exterior corner. You know, these are trends that change over time as different defenses become all the rage. And right now, it, it looks like the outside guys are being valued more highly. Are there any corners, and I, I didn't ask you before we started recording, so I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. Are there any corners um, outside of the first round, later later picks in the draft, that you really like this year? Wow. Uh, yeah, you are kind of putting me on the spot, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, there are, uh, there are a couple of guys, uh, w- one name that, I that I have looked at, and again, uh, I may need a little more time to give you a full answer, but, uh, but Stanford's Paulson, uh, Adebo, uh, to me, he's got good height at six foot one, probably needs to put on a few pounds, uh, to, to be a better tackler. But, you know, again, at at this age, players still can do that. And I I just think that, you know, in the second or third round, he would be a very good pickup. That's interesting. Uh, PFF liked him a lot. They don't have any information on him in 2020. I don't know if he just didn't play in 2020, but in 2019, they had him actually 2018 as well. And in 2018, he had like this freakish elite grade. Uh, And then 2019, he kind of came down to earth to like, uh, you know, just very, very, very good. Right. That's an interesting guy. They have a note here that uh, tackling is not his strong suit. I mean, come on. How many corners are out there can really tackle? You got Jair and like nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> Most corners don't tackle well. Uh, another, another thing that they list here as a concern, they say he's not a fluid athlete, right? Balance and stiff to transition. I mean, come on that's that's why he's a later round pick if if he if he was really good at those things he'd be a, a first round pick here pff has him going in like the fifth round I, I would be excited to get a guy like this especially with with such a late pick like that and we have uh what two third round picks two fourths we have three fifths i think we might have three fifths uh we, we, we have a lot extra of extra picks, picks this on year. day three i think we have an extra yeah. four five and six Oh, that's right. Four, five, and six. No, we don't have a second, third round pick. Man, now I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> I I got another uh, really late guy, um, uh, day three guy. Anyways, round three to five. I, I was talking to you about him before we started recording. Guy that like nobody's heard of, Terrell Williams. Mm-hmm. Hang on, what what school is he from here? Uh, Syracuse. This guy. One of the things I like about him is that he is. A really, really good tackler. He's very physical. Um, a little bit, maybe. So he 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 played a lot as a safety, and the scouting report that you and I read together suggested that he might be a better fit as a safety. Um, not really sure. You know, he he's a little bit stiff. Doesn't doesn't play the best inside. He's much more of an outside guy. Um, but but his his tackling grade is off the charts, extremely uh, physical. He's just not quite as fast, not quite as you know explosive of an athlete, but he has some good instincts. So I, I you know there, there's clear ceilings here to what you can do with him. 
but also situationally, there are some pretty cool packages you you could put together with this guy. And I, I don't know, maybe maybe okay, so how how tall is he here? He six is two. uh six two. That's that's not too bad. I mean not, not bad at all. For you don't want him too much bigger than that. This this guy's not going to get out muscled. This is a guy that you could maybe throw on a tight end if you needed to, because you know he's not the fastest. Uh, Terrell Williams, I would not be surprised if he is on the Packers board, uh, looking at a guy to maybe replace Raven Green. So Terrell Williams, if you're interested in looking him up, his first name is spelled T R I L L. Terrell Williams out of Syracuse could be an interesting prospect here. I think Williams would be a great pick in this uh, late second or early third day of the draft. I think that, you know, both of these players that we just mentioned have similar size, similar limitations, slightly different strengths. But either one of them, I think, would be solid additions to give the Packers some depth in the secondary that they really need. And they need to develop some younger guys. So uh, no question with Kevin King probably being gone after a year that this is an area they need to focus on. All right, Gil, give me your quick reaction to Greg Newsom. He'd, he'd be like our, our first-round pick. Yeah, you'd have to take him in the first round if you're going to take him. And look, the thing I like about Newsom is, you know, comes from a, a, a good school, Big Ten school, uh, has good size at six foot one, And, uh, you know, look, as a first-round pick, if we're picking 29th, uh, I, I think that he would be a, a solid addition in that spot still, only coming out after his junior year, so he does have uh, the ability to mature a little bit more, and, you know, he's still young in that respect, and, you know, look, there are there are issues that keep him from being the best cornerback in this year's draft, but he is top four, top five, and I think at 29, if we stay at 29, he would be a solid addition with his size. You want someone who is going to have a different skill set than Jair Alexander. And that's why I think the Packers will be more likely to look for someone who is at least six feet tall, has longer arms, more of a, of the Kevin King body type. And I think Newsom could fit that definition. Well, okay. You make a great comparison there. Kevin King is absolutely the comp I would make. Um, and I like that he has Kevin King's size. I don't like that he kind of shares a lot of Kevin King's limitations. Mm-hmm. Very stiff in the hips. I I get surprised sometimes when I'm watching him. I get a little bit surprised that people have him so high in the draft. I think if he's, you know, back of the second, back of the third round, I think it's a, a fantastic pick. With your first round pick, I, I just I kind of have like Greg Newsom is kind of like the one guy that I have in that column of I would feel disappointed if we drafted him in the first round, honestly, even 29th, even if we stay at 29. I just think there's other guys that uh, that seem to frequently be av- available around there that have, I, I would say, a higher ceiling. I, I think Greg Newsom. I mean, OK, serious question here. If you could draft Kevin King this year at pick 29, would you? No, not at pick 29. I, I wouldn't either. And I and so so that's why I'm looking at Greg Newsom here and going, he feels to me like his ceiling is Kevin King. Mm. Uh, you know? 
I, what do you, what do you think about uh, Ifiatu Melanfanwu? I think I hope I pronounced that even close to right out of Syracuse because he's another player who has that height at six foot two. He has played some uh, safety in college as well as corner, or at least some scouts say he could play very well at safety as a possible position switch, which means that initially he may be able to do some slot work and then move outside as he gains experience. What what are your thoughts on Melon Fanwu? Yeah, I'm definitely not going to try and and pronounce his name. Uh, <laughs> I, kudos to you for being brave enough to try that. Um, okay, that guy whose name you just said, <laughs> um, the Syracuse yeah. product. Yeah. Okay. So I understand why he is ranked lower than Greg Newsom. I I think I probably would switch places for those two guys. Melon Melifonwu, his. <laughs> So his um, sort of, I guess, weakness, if you will, is he does tend to kind of get beaten off the line of scrimmage a little bit. Putting him in practice opposite Devontae might really help with that, though. Mm-hmm. I think Ifedu is a guy who has a really high ceiling, and I think some brave coaches who are – very convinced of their ability to use a guy with his talents might try and persuade Gudekunst that uh, this is a guy we should take a gander at. Um, I think he'd know, be a he's... steal in the second round. I mean, an absolute steal if we can get him in the second round. First, late first round, kind of a, you know, maybe a little bit of a reach, but I, I think you know, he's got the skill set, I think, that the Packers would be looking for at the corner position. He has really smooth hips. He's very fast. Uh, and the very... smooth hips differentiates him from Kevin King. Yes. He, so he, he, here's a way to describe him. He is a physical freak, but he's not physical. Does that make sense? He, yeah, he yeah, doesn't yeah. get physical with other guys, but he has those physical freak abilities. So Fedo to me has a high ceiling. Uh, Newsom to me has a low ceiling. I would say Newsom's floor is probably a little higher than Fedo's, but between the two, I would rather take Fedo. I, I could more than understand that. I, I like this kid. Uh, don't know if 29 is a spot for him, but it'd be close. I don't think it would be that big a reach if they went for him at 29. Although, honestly, I don't think Goody's going to stay at 29 anyway. I was but just that's a about to say that. <laughs> I was just about to say that. I mean, now there's the, here's here's the question. Does he trade up or trade down? Because he has a lot of picks in his arsenal this year. And you got to think to yourself, does he have too many picks? I, I know that's a little bit of a silly question question on the surface but think about this how many rookies do you want on your team especially when you have so many established veterans that you have a lot of trust in maybe pool some of those picks move up a bit and you're winning in more ways than just having access to higher players maybe you are also helping yourself because look there's less wasted picks if you have to you know later on say all right we we gotta you know it's end of training camp here we gotta get down to the 53 man roster sorry you know we have what 10 rookies here a couple of these later guys have to go so i would be interested in moving up but also maybe you look at the other the other way and say look we don't have a lot of money right. uh 
maybe this gives us some flexibility to move on from some more expensive guys and lean on some some starting rookies. And if that's the case, having two or maybe even three second round picks, man, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough call. And I think what's going to happen is once we get to about 18, 19, 20 in this draft, that's when, uh, you know, Gutekunst is going to look at the board, see who's still out there. If there's a guy he has ranked really high still out there, he has the ammunition to try to jump up and trade uh, to a lower pick and try to get somebody he targets. Or if most of the players he really wants are off the board, he can go back and You know, the other thing I wouldn't put past uh, Gutekunst, because he's done it before, maybe you trade this year's first-round pick and get a first-round pick next year as part of that deal in order to sweeten the pot and look forward. And that saves you even more cap money, gives you a lot of ammunition coming into next year's draft, and creates a whole different set of circumstances. Yeah, that's true. Here, take our late first-round pick, give us your next year's first and your this year's uh, second or third. Right. I'd be okay with that. I would too. A tale of two Packers playoff teams. The Packers in the divisional round versus the Rams. This is clearly what the team is capable of. Sweeping the floor 32 to 18 with the LA Rams who were a very good team. Don't let anybody tell you that uh, just because Jared Goff was the quarterback, just because Jared Goff was hurt. Look, the Rams hurt a lot of people. Jared Goff hurt a lot of teams. And then the Packers came, or then they, they walked into the Packers house and it was a different story. This is what the Packers were capable of. We saw it against the Tennessee Titans, clearly one of the best teams in the league. We just mopped the floor with them, beat them at their own game. Then the Rams come into town and yeah, there's some there's some questions here because Aaron Donald was not playing at 100%. Jared Goff was not playing at 100%. And yet, the Packers were able to take their foot off the gas um, right around the start of the fourth quarter and coast into the end. And I don't think any fans were even sweating about it. This game was over. Yeah, and I and think... Then, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say, and then the following week, you you get kind of a repeat of the 49ers game from last year. The Packers just fell apart. It, it was not a question of talent. It was a case of all of our star performers not showing up. I mean, to me, the most impressive thing about the Rams game, just so we could put a bow on it, the Rams came in as the league's number one ranked defense. And the Packers offense basically showed up and they put 32 points on the board, had the ball for 36 plus minutes of time of possession and gained 484 total yards on that defense. And it could have been more if they needed it to be late in the game. And to me, that was the most impressive part of that performance. Devontae Adams made Jalen Ramsey look silly. Made him look silly. I, I tell you, there's a, there's that clip where Devontae just kind of, you know, as they're snapping the ball, he runs across the formation and Ramsey panics and follows him. And it's too late. Yeah. Devontae just sneaks into the end zone. Easiest touchdown. Ramsey, I watch this clip all the time because it's so funny to me. 
Ramsey is stamping his feet on the ground. He's so mad. And he goes over and starts yelling, <laughs> yelling at his coach. <laughs> Why are you putting me one-on-one on Devonte here? Give me some help. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Tough to cover that close to the end zone, though, when you're cr- coming in motion across the pattern. It, it is very difficult. And and that, I think, is um, exemplary of how Matt LaFleur's scheme works. Look, yes, the Packers have elite talent, but that player right there, yes, they used the best wide receiver in the league to do it, but you didn't have to because the scheme set the Rams up to fail. Matt yep. LaFleur just out, out-schemed um, Brandon Staley, plain and simple. Yeah, and that's a beautiful thing. When when that offense is clicking and, you know, it, it was sort of like the back shoulder pass to Jordy Nelson, you couldn't do anything about it, no matter how well you – you knew it was coming, but if it was executed properly, it was schemed up in such a way that there was nothing you could do 90% of the time. Now, the following week obviously was super frustrating, and for more reasons than one, it wasn't just that the Packers didn't show up. It wasn't just that their star, you know, best played, best paid, highest rated players on the team were failing them. You know, Rodgers had a bad day. Devontae had a bad day. Aaron Jones had a bad day. Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn had bad days. Jair, of course, was great because he's always great. Kevin King had a bad day. Chandon Sullivan had a bad day. The offensive line couldn't stop anybody for more than a second before letting another defender through to Aaron Rodgers. It was atrocious. And it was also frustrating because on the other side, Tom Brady had a terrible day. Look at all of his, I mean, he, his, I'm not, I am not saying that Tom Brady sucks or that he's overrated. I'm not saying any of that on that day. He was terrible. His passes were all over the place. He got, intercepted a bunch of times we couldn't do anything off of those interceptions he had several more picks that were just dropped by the Packers the Buccaneers were trying to gift wrapped gift wrap that win to the Packers and we couldn't do anything with it well here is to me the biggest reason why the Packers lost that game and you could talk about you know Kevin King and the bad touchdown that was given up the last play of the first half and that was a killer You could talk about the dropped interceptions. To me, the one thing that really hurt the Packers was this was the game that they needed David Bakhtiari, and he wasn't there because of the injury. No question. And if Aaron Rodgers has a little more time to throw the football, I think the Packers find a way to win this game. He was sacked five times. And if Bakhtiari is in there, maybe it's two or three times as opposed to five. And that's enough for Aaron Rodgers to make one more play. And they lost by five points. You need that one more big play to get one more touchdown to win that game. And in my mind, the offensive line was the difference overall, especially when they were trying to make that comeback in the fourth quarter and they just couldn't quite find a way to get it done. Yeah, that, that was a very big part of it. I'm going to go back to saying there's a bunch of reasons why this game was frustrating. There's a bunch of reasons why they lost. I'm going to lay it firmly at Matt LaFleur's feet for 
passing over and over and over again down at, at the goal line. You have A.J. Dillon. When you put the ball in his hands, he's dragging defenders with him in that game. And yet, when the game is on the line, I understand putting the ball in your best player's hand. I understand saying, look, we have a Hall of Fame quarterback. He needs to be able to get the job done. I get it. I get that you think that that is your best shot at winning. But his job is so much harder when he has to do everything. When there's no run game, the the defense doesn't have to worry about A.J. Dillon. They, they just say, hey, look, here's a Hall of Fame quarterback. We need to stop him no matter the cost. That is a perfect opportunity to take your Derrick Henry of a running back and go, hey, let's at least pick up a few more yards here. Let's at least pick up another first down late in the game here. Or how about this? <laughs> we got this massive guy. Let's just try and run it in. Look, you know, Pete Carroll has gotten endless grief for years for not just running the ball. I'm going to put it on, on Matt LaFleur and say, look, there are some times when he needs to step up as a play caller and not be so one-dimensional, especially when he has not been having success in this second half here um, trying to throw the ball. Look, Devontae is off. He's having a bad day. Aaron Rodgers is not seeing wide-open receivers. You need to take some of the pressure off your passing game. And, look, you want to be a run-heavy offense? That's great. Just don't forget that you want to be a run-heavy offense when a Super Bowl is on the line. Yeah, they they do have a tendency, the Packers, to abandon the running game a little too soon in games where they are struggling. And it I, I think it makes them struggle more rather than less. And it's a problem that Matt LaFleur has had. I think last year he did a better job of it. But in the NFC Championship game, it happened again. And that is, again, very, very frustrating. Well, something we've said uh, for you know, the entirety of our existence as a podcast here is that the what the Packers can do to help themselves the most in the next year here is not bringing in additional talent. It's getting more consistent with the current team that they have because the current team they have is far and away the best team in the league. And there are some times when they just fall apart. It may be for a quarter. It may be for a whole game. That needs to stop. Otherwise, we may be looking at yet another year where we're going home empty-handed and disappointed. It's not a talent issue. It's a consistency issue. And based on what you just said, the strategy of Brian Gutekunst of re-signing as many players mm -hmm. for this coming year that were potentially going to leave via free agency makes a lot of sense. Alrighty, the Packers 2021 schedule has been released, or rather the list of opponents they're going to be facing. We don't have dates yet. We don't know what week they'll be facing each player. That'll come a little bit later in the year. And look, we got 17 games now. We have that extra game added versus the Kansas City Chiefs. And that got us thinking, look, the Packers are going to play 10 games this year against 2020 playoff teams. This could be a tough schedule. Obviously, you never know until it actually the season starts because teams fall off, bad teams get good. But looking at the schedule right now, Gil, who are you the most afraid of on the schedule? Who's the toughest team we're going to play? I, I got to go with that 17th game, and that's the Kansas City Chiefs. It's 
on the road. They were in the Super Bowl for a reason. You're going up against Patrick Mahomes. Andy Reid is a great coach. I think we could play with them. I think their defense is vulnerable. But to me, that's uh, that's the biggest challenge on this roster as far uh, on the schedule as far as non-divisional opponents go. Uh, Chiefs won the Super Bowl two years ago. We're in the Super Bowl last year, and uh, it's a road game. That that to me is is got to be the the game I target. I'm glad you took that one because I I definitely was not tem- tempted to take the Chiefs. I I don't respect the Chiefs right now. They yeah they got to the Super Bowl, but. I think they limped into the Super Bowl, and I don't think that they are the same team that we saw in 2018 and 2019 that was terrifying everybody. I think in 2020, they were really starting to to fall off a bunch, and, and I don't think that they are really on a great track to become better this year. There's a lot of teams on this schedule that do worry me. We are playing the 49ers. They always give us a tough time, but there's a team that scares me a lot more at least right now. And that is the Baltimore Ravens because look, the Packers have a long and awful history with mobile quarterbacks. I don't think I need to say the name of the quarterback who just embarrassed us and set all kinds of awful records against us in the playoffs just a couple of years ago <laughs> when he was a 49er. I'm, of course, I'm talking about Colin Kaepernick. Look, Lamar Jackson is the best running quarterback in football history. I just don't think the Packers defense, as it stands today, can do anything to slow him down. We have not seen. I mean, look, Ryan Tannehill, when we played the Tennessee Titans, he ran for like 50 yards and a touchdown. I don't think anybody in the world is scared of Ryan Tannehill in terms of his you know ability to scramble. Right. Lamar Jackson and look, they're bringing in talent at the receiver and tight end position this offseason almost certainly. They they're already starting to do that for Lamar and that has been that was the last year that was the question like look, Lamar's still good but in terms of who he's throwing to, you know, you have uh the opportunity here to make some hay picking on his terrible receivers. That is probably not going to be the case this year. To me, I would rather play the Chiefs twice <laughs> than play than play the Ravens once, especially, you know, it's probably going to be in prime time. Big opportunity to get embarrassed here. And uh I, I think I think the Packers are going to come prepared for the Chiefs. I think that they match up really, really well. That was the team I wanted us to have to play in the Super Bowl because I thought we matched up with the Chiefs really well. I think that's going to continue this year. But the Ravens, man, ooh, they scare me. <laughs> I hear you. You know, the only thing that that uh, I don't think that is dangerous about the Ravens is they are a one-dimensional team. They're not a good passing team necessarily. They can, because of the threat of the running quarterback, they can run right over you. But I don't think that you know it would be a little tougher if the Packers get a lead on them. For them to come back in a game, but we'll see. It, it, it's both of them are very good teams and it, it, tough opponents, and they're both road games. All right, fans, why don't you head over to Twitter and weigh in? Give us your opinion. Are you more scared of the Chiefs or the Ravens this year? Look, last week we debated which corner would you rather take with the first our first round pick in the draft. Gil, you wanted J.C. Horn. I wanted Asante Samuel Jr. Obviously, today we talked about a bunch of other cornerback talent, but 
Last week, that was our debate. And uh, Gil, you won. JC Horn, 53%. So congratulations. But this week, fans, come on, do the right thing. Go to twitter.com. <laughs> Check us out at JJ Leahy, at Gil Packers. We'll both be pinning the poll to the top of our profile. We want you to weigh in, cast your vote, Ravens or Chiefs. That's it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter. Again, that is at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. Or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go! Go Pack Go! You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Not